Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Thanks, Michael. Uh, perfect. Well done. And then uh, thanks to, to, to Chris and Johannes. Uh, great job. Nah. So great. So um, recently, um, I asked my wife to go on a walk, and she agreed. And um, after some walking and initial chit-chat, um, she brings up to me uh, some things that I need to change. Um, <clears throat> and uh, she was sharing, you know, basically, I don't know what to do about these things, but, you know, things can't go, keep going the way that they are. We're going to have to change them. Um, so as she's talking through these things, I'm feeling frustrated and I'm thinking, oh, this is the last time I'm going to ask you to go on a walk. Uh, and the longer the conversation goes on, the more I just want to run away. Um, I, I just want to, we're walking, we're walking on the sidewalk and I can feel myself feeling like I can outrun my wife. And if I just start running really fast, I can get away from this conversation. Um, and, you know, don't look back. Uh, and often when I'm facing something painful, that's what I like to do. Um, that's my inclination. I, I want to run for my life. Um, and, and in the moment when it feels so hard to stay I, uh, and walk through it, I just want to run. I just want to run. Um, but I stayed and we talked through it. And then certainly I have some things to work on. Uh, and and it's, I'm better for it. I'm, it's, it's, I'm better for it. Uh, all of us have, you know, all of us have challenging things to deal with. Sometimes when people interact with me, they say, hey, Daryl, can we get together? I know you're super busy. We're all busy, right? We're all busy. We all, we all, we're all busy. We're all facing challenges. We all, and like Chris was saying in his last year and a half or so, we've all had new challenges to face uh, due, due to COVID and all these kinds of things. Um, and it's had a big effect on us. Uh, and it's been very hard for many of us. Um, and, I, and I don't want to take away from anything that you've experienced personally because of this, because, you know, certainly you've, you've faced some hard things because of this. I don't want to take away from that, but I do want to talk about how it's affected, you know, our church as a whole. Um, I want to talk about that. So a church, which I forget often, a church is a relationship. Um, it's a covenant. It's a family. It's a promise, right? It's a promise to a specific group of people. Um, and, and certainly we talk about this all the time in our church family, but I feel like I always need reminded it's a promise to a commitment to a certain group of people, specific group of people. Uh, and often, obviously we don't approach it like that. We approach it more like an event or a meeting or a gathering or a worship service. But, um, like I said, we talked about that before last week. Um, Roy referenced a prayer that Jesus prayed right before um, he's, he's getting close to his arrest and his crucifixion. And it's an incredibly, incredibly terrifying moment. Um, and he's praying his guts out. Uh, and maybe you've, you've been in a situation or you've had something terrible happen in your life and you're praying your guts out, it feels like. Um, that's what's happening here. Jesus is praying his guts out and he's, you know, he's asking, how am I going to be able to, to walk through this? So if you and I were, were about to face, um, you, we're about to face something super terrible, 
like this. Um, we're about to face something terrifying, just gut-wrenching. We probably, we, we, you know, some of us might be praying. We, you know, we would say, I'd be praying through that. But we'd be praying for ourselves, right? <laughs> we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be praying about anything else. We'd be praying for ourselves and praying that God would get us through this or get us out of it, help me, God, something like that. Jesus is about to die an incredibly gruesome death. And on his mind and what he's praying about is his father, finishing his father's work, his father's glory, um, and his 12 disciples praying for them, um, which is incredible. And after he spent some time praying for them, he says this. My prayer is not for them alone, not for my, just my 12 disciples that are here with me. That my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that? That's us. That's us. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that they, that all of them may be one, Father, just just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you sent me and I've given, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When you, when you read these verses, when you read John 17, this, this section I just read to you, you notice something that's super interesting that Jesus does. He says basically the same thing twice. Two times in a row. We've talked before that when Jesus does it, when, when, when the Bible does it or when Jesus does it, it's, it's, it's meant to be emphatic. It's meant to say, I really want this. This is really important. Clearly, what Jesus is describing here in his prayer isn't an event or a gathering or a worship service. It's not a club. Um, it, it's a family. It's a promise. It's a covenant. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a no matter what, nothing's going to tear us apart. Because certainly, you know, nothing can tear Jesus and the Father apart. So when Jesus is in agony in the night, the night of his arrest, praying his guts out, he's praying for us that we'd be one, <laughs> that we'd be one just like, just like Jesus and the Father are one in, in, in complete unity. Complete unity. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Is that what we have here? Is that what we have here? This this oneness, this complete unity. Um, and it's not a rhetorical question. It's a question I want you to think about. Think about to answer specifically for yourself. Is this really what we have here? Do we have a unity, a family, a oneness? Do we have a covenant? Um, and, and it's hard to know if you have that, right? It's hard to, ha- it's, it's hard to know if you have that. So sometimes when, when and we've talked about this before a little bit, sometimes when you're in a relationship with someone, you don't, know really, you don't really know what you have. You don't really know what, what, it, what, what kind of relationship it is, what kind of friendship it is. Are we just acquaintances who happen to work together or go to church together or go to class together? Or, or is it something better than that? And often it's hard to know. 
often it's hard to know. And what's make, what makes it even harder is that, is that people will sometimes say things like, uh, uh, you know, let me know if you need anything. Or, or um, I, you know, I'll pray for you. Uh, and, and if I have something you need, I'll, I'll give it to you. Or, or you know, if I didn't have you in my life, I don't know, I'm not sure what I would do. Um, or I'll do anything I can to help. When we say things like that, so it, makes it, it kind of muddles it even more, makes it harder to know. What, what is this that we have? And in reality, you don't really know what kind of relationship you have until trouble comes, right? That's when you get to find out. That's when you get to find out. Because it's when trouble comes, you find out if the relationship that you've been investing in is as strong as you think it is. And Luke pointed out this, this last week in his communion talk, when he says when Jesus was struck or when they come, to, they come to arrest him, his friends who just were like, we are totally all in, Jesus. And they thought the relationship was one thing, but it ended up being something else because then they all run away. You often don't know what you really have until trouble comes and then you find out and the trouble reveals Reveals everything. Reveals everything. Isn't that, isn't that kind of what COVID and social distancing and mask wearing and fear and differences of opinion have done for us as a church? Uh, isn't isn't yeah, and how we handle it, it just kind of, it's revealed what kind of relationship we have, uh, what kind of relationship this is for us, for, for us as a group and for each of us personally. It, it, it just reveals things. Um, and for many of us, what it's revealed in reality is that this thing, this relationship is expendable. And, and, and let me say this. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean or rain on your parade. That's not, I, you know, so those of you guys who know me close enough, you know, that's not my style. I don't, I, don't, I don't need that. I just want to know what we have. I just want us to be honest. It's like if you were dating someone and you were super into the relationship, but for them, the relationship was expendable. You just want to know. You just want to know. I, I, from my perspective, and again, you, can, you, you, know, you call me up or you email me or you text me, you correct me if I'm wrong. What I, what I see or what I feel like is that this, this covenant is expendable for some of us. And we are, we are certainly um, not one in the way that Jesus prayed for, not, not complete oneness like Jesus and the Father, uh, where, you know, we can, we can be separated by fear and differences of opinion or how we think things should be handled. Uh, and, and honestly, um, this is how things are. You know. and, 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 and if we were really honest, we'd have to say, you know, this is kind of how things are were before COVID, but we couldn't tell yet. We couldn't tell because it was, you know, like I said, when you first are initial, initial relationship, you can't tell what you really have. Sometimes those things get revealed. So let me, let me so just some honesty with you, really quick, just about. 
So on Labor Day weekend, um, lots of us had to be gone. I, I, had, I, had be, I was gone last week. So this is not about you, whether you're gone or not. It's just a point of realization for me. On Labor Day weekend, September 12th, um, we had a worship service here. And so those of you guys who were there here, you know, we started normally, and there was like 10 people to notice in these rooms. I had family here, so some of them were family, <laughs> and then some, lots of them were volunteers. So between the family and the volunteers, you know, <laughs> we, had, we had, so, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, and again, let me... I often forget because of my role that things I say can linger for people and shame and guilt. And it's just, it's just, ah. So I just want to take that away. It's not shame and guilt. This is, this is just honest conversation between people who love each other and are just trying to figure out, figure this thing out. And I know, uh, you know several were watching online, but at the end of the service, when I was walking away, when I was walking home, and this is something, I know this, this happens to, to several of us when we're, when we're walking out of this room after a Sunday morning. You, you're walking away and you're like, whoa. What was that? That was rough. And uh, I certainly, I, you know, when I was walking away, I was just thinking, this isn't working. I don't know what to do, but things can't go on like this. And, you know, honestly, it was, and it was just a statement that, you know, that I had in my mind or a feeling that I had in my mind that, that I didn't know if I wanted to articulate. I didn't know if I wanted to say out loud, but, you know, clearly in church world or in relationships, lots of times you have those feelings about your relationship, but then you never say it out loud. And the relationship, it always is in that, weird place or the tense place and it can't move forward because you're not being honest. So I thought, you know, I got together with the elders and I said, listen, this is, this is kind of where I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. And I think we, I think we need to be honest about the relationship as I perceive it. Maybe I, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, maybe, you know, from your perspective, it's totally different. Um, and I'm open to that. I'm open to that. When I was walking back to my house on September 12th, the thing that kept running through my head, though, honestly, you know, for me, is that I failed you. I failed you, Arbor Bridge. <laughs> uh, I failed you. I've not been able to bring about, you know, the, for at least for some of you, some of the things that we dream about in regards to the church or the kind of oneness or the kind of unity or the kind of thing that Jesus prayed for. I've not, I've, I've not been able to bring that about. Um, and and I'm, so I'm walking home, you know, and again, it, I feel like... <laughs> I just feel like I failed you. And what could dissolve the kind of oneness between Christ, that Christ has with his father? Nothing, right? Nothing. Nothing can dissolve that kind of oneness. That is the kind of oneness that Christ expects that we would have here is what he prayed for. So, you know, I'm walking away saying, I have not been able to bring that about. And in our elders meeting, we talked about this and you guys can, we're on the same page. We win together, we fail together. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's all my fault and I'm, it's by myself. I'm, I'm, I'm on that mind. So I'm just saying, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm the leader, right? And I've got to deal with that. I've got to deal with that. So one of the questions that I ask myself is this. And I want you to think about this question. 
Will the way that you are currently approaching church, this relationship, will the way that you're currently approaching this relationship allow for the kind of unity that Jesus is praying for? Will the way that you're currently approaching this covenant allow for the kind of unity that Jesus is praying for? And again, this is a question for, I don't care how old you are, where you at, Will the way, and so again, I'm walking, walking back to my house, which you know, if you don't know, the church building is like whatever. <laughs> I can walk to my house in two minutes. So I'm walking back to my house and I'm asking myself this question. And certainly, I, I, I don't think so. I, I don't, the way that I'm approaching this relationship, I don't think it will do it. And uh, I feel like a failure. So when I was on that, on that walk with my wife and she's talking to me about our relationship and I, I felt like a failure, like, you know, sometimes, you know, you're, you're in this conversation and you're like, mm, this is something you need to think about correcting. And she's not, again, not intending to get to say, Daryl, you're a failure. It's intended to get to get better. But we had to have this hard conversation. And when I'm having those conversations, I'm like, oh, I'm such a failure. I feel so, you know, I just feel so bad. And so bad, I want to run. I want to run away. I want to run away. And certainly that's how I feel now. Like if, if you've ever been, when you're, when you're at work, or you guys, any of you have a job where you go to work each day and you feel like, I know, in the back of your head, you know, I'm not cutting it. You want to quit, right? You want to run. You're like, I'm, I'm, I got to get out of this thing. Because you don't want to wake up every day and go to work and feel like you're a failure. Who wants to do that? When you invest time and energy and blood and sweat and tears into something uh, like this, then in, and it feels expendable to the object of your investment, it feels awful. It feels like, you know, it's, you, you, you just want to run. I will not run. I will not run. I'm your pastor. I will not run. So, what that means is this. We got to figure something out. Um, we, we, we can walk through this together, but we got to figure something. We have to figure something out. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Honestly, I, I would I, I would like to, to to do find something that's easier for me to feel like I'm successful at. Um, I'd like to uh, you know do a job that isn't so challenging. But I will not run. Um, we'll face this together. Um, and, and and honestly, 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 I don't know what to do. <laughs> and that's the worst, right? To get in the room with your 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 boss or your CEO, and for your CEO to start off, you know, let's throw up this business meeting, everyone. Um, I don't know what to do. <laughs> This is going to be a great meeting. <laughs> I don't know what to do, but I, I do know this. Um, things, stay, can't, things can't stay on the track they're on. And I'm not going to run. So. This is a story. There's a story in the first half of the Bible um, that we, you know, we call the Old Testament. Um, there's a story um, of a Jewish king named Jehoshaphat. And uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, he's in this palace. He lives in a palace in Jerusalem. 
In Jerusalem, um, Jehoshaphat has some enemies who lived in a place called Edom. Um, and so Jehoshaphat uh, uh, was in this long time feud with the, with the people from, of Edom. Um, the Jewish people in general are in a feud with the people of Eden, Edom. Um, and there's, just, there's beef from long, long, long time ago. Jehoshaphat's ancestors um, and Edom's ancestors just have terrible, terrible history. Terrible, terrible history, and they can't let it go. So the people who live in Edom, um, they're made up of several different nations, and the group of them, the group of these nations, are planning on attacking Jehoshaphat. And so here's what happens. <clears throat> the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the, the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in the Hazion Tamar. <clears throat> That's the Engedi. So just to give you some perspective of, of what, what's happening here, this is, this is Jehoshaphat's back door. So this is Judah is, is, is um, Jehoshaphat's country. And Jerusalem is where Jehoshaphat is. And these guys are already across the river. And they're... they're they're there. They're there. It's like when you were growing up um, and, and your parents left you alone for the first time. And you thought it would be really, really cool. But then when they left you alone, you're terrified. And you're watching the news. And on the news, they talk about there's, um, there's a serial killer out there. And you're like, he would never be. And then he's at your back door. This is, this is Jehoshaphat's back door. And, they are, they, and they're coming there. They're intent on killing him and everyone he loves and burning his town to the ground. And somebody, so somebody comes to him and says, hey, Jehoshaphat, these guys are here. They're here. And if that would happen to me, and if that happened to you, what, okay, let's get everybody together. Let's get ready to fight them. Let's run for our lives. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What's going to save you now? Several, several countries are coming against you, your, your little country. Some of the people um, came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. That's the other side of the Dead Sea. That's Hazion Tamar. That's En Gedi. Um, alarmed. Think about what you do when you're alarmed. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Pause. That is very strange. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So no, here's, you know, here's what Joseph does. Impending doom. I want you to feel that impending doom with the serial killers at your back door. What does he do? Inquire of the Lord. Right? Proclaimed a fast. People came together. To seek help from the Lord. Do you, know, do you notice that? Um, this is what Michael was talking about last week. If you were here last week, and if you weren't here last week, you should go back and listen listen to the to the to the whole you know just the whole service last week. Michael was talking about this last week. You know when when nine eleven happened, 
people came together. And this is, this is the kind of thing that's happening for them right then. Then this is what happened. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of, in front of the, the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not a God who's in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sort of judgment or plague or famine, here's our commitment. We will stand in your presence before the temple that bears your name and we will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, our God. Will you not judge him? For we have no power to face this vast enemy that's attacking us. We, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And all the men of Judah and their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. They were facing an enemy they could not overcome. And it wasn't like COVID, like COVID, you know, you might get sick and you might die. Maybe these, everyone was about to be killed. Everyone. And they're seeking the Lord. That's their starting point. Seeking the Lord. And God knows that, God knows this, and again, I don't, I don't know that, that it's, they're directly comparable, but God knows that we're facing an enemy that we cannot overcome. COVID and social distancing and mask growing and division and the loss of oneness between us and any momentum that we've had and everyone just content to, to look out for themselves or any, any, any of those, any of those, we're faced, that's what we're facing and we can't overcome it by ourselves. Um, and... Uh, who knows, honestly, like, like, like Michael said last week, you, know, you, you thought that it was going to be like, oh, we'll be back by Easter and this all will be over. <laughs> Who knows how long this is going to go on? Who knows? Who knows? But we do know this. We can't just sit and wait. They did not know what to do. I don't know what to do. But what's happening right now won't work. They knew what they were doing right then wasn't going to work. So they prayed and they sought the Lord. They were still before the Lord. They were still before the Lord. And they knew that action was needed. They knew that the things couldn't stay the same. If they waited, they were going to be they're going to be killed. So they resolved to seek the Lord. And this is so courageous. It's like the bravest thing they could have ever done. They seek the Lord, and it, and it means this, this is what it means for the Lord to be your shepherd. Danger is coming, and instead of running away off on your own, you just look up to the shepherd. What are we going to do? Shepherd knows there's danger coming. We're going to do, shepherd. We wait on you, our eyes are on you. 
we're facing a crisis, and I think that, you know, for the most part, we're content to face it individually, separately, um, not as a church. And certainly there are things that you have to address individually that, that we won't have to address as a church as a whole. Um, but we got to figure out how to come together, um, like the Israelites did. Now, our first step, our first step is this. First step is this. Determine to seek the Lord. Determine that we will seek the Lord. We will ask him. Um, we will begin with him. And this is, like I said, this is what we, they, were, they were talking about during preacher camp when I was there this, all, all this week. And when they're saying it all out, I'm like, oh. You, you know, like when someone's saying something that should be obvious to you or that you've known before and they're saying it out loud and you're like, yes, that's what I should be doing. So I, I, I'm going to share a couple things that are certain to get me in trouble. And again, let me preface with not, everyone has their reasons why they're doing whatever they've chosen to do. And I'm not trying to separate you from me. I'm in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. I do want to speak specifically. Um, I want to challenge the groups of people who are part of our church that I, that I observe, that I've seen. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Anyhow, I love you. So if what I'm about to share makes you upset, then you know, you're obligated to come talk to me face-to-face. Not, not text me. <laughs> you can text me and say, Daryl, let's set up a time to get together. Let me speak to those of us who attend in person. Um, and, and, I've, and I've said this before, and I don't, I don't really know what to do to, to change this or make a move. Are you approaching this thing, this thing that we have here, like it's an event? I know I have been. That's not sustainable. For us to, to, to be in a relationship is not sustainable. It's not going to work long term. And I just challenge you to seek the Lord. What, what, what do you require of me, Lord, as a part of this church? That this isn't just an I don't want this to just be an event or something that I show up for. Um, yeah. Those of you, uh, and again, I love that Chris, Chris mentioned this. Those of you who... Uh, are, are, are just not attending because you don't feel like it anymore. It's, it's more convenient to uh, just watch at home in your pajamas or whatever. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Come before him and ask him what you're supposed to Is this what I'm supposed to be doing, Lord? Ask, and I'd ask you to consider this. I'd ask you to consider this question. Is this church family expendable to you? Like, if it goes away, are you cool with that? Because if you are intent or cool with approaching it, you know, approaching this, this covenant, this relationship like that, like, you know, I, I don't care. You just do your thing, and I, I'm going to make it a convenient thing for me. It will go away. It will go away eventually. If it's expendable to you, just know this. Know that about yourself. Know that it's expendable. Be honest about that. And know that that approach to the church will destroy it. 
Uh, next, those of you who aren't coming because you're, you are, um, you're being careful about COVID, seek the Lord, right? COVID's happened and it's super scary and it's super tough, difficult and super tough. Awesome. Let me ask you this. Have you ever sought the Lord on what your response should be to COVID? Have you ever sought the Lord? Maybe you have. Maybe you have. And again, that's not, maybe you have. Seek the Lord, come before him, ask him what you're supposed to do. And I want to encourage you to, I would encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to do this. Be consistent, right? Be consistent. And what I mean by that is this. Let me just say this. If you're going to the movies, if you're going out to eat, if you're going, you know, if you're going to places to hang out with people and you're not coming here and being a part of this, this, this covenant, this, this promise, this thing. Um, I, I want you to give some thought to that. I, I, what it reminds me of is this. And again, not trying to make you feel guilty. Let me say this though. It's like the time when you were in high school and you had plans with a friend and that friend called and said, hey, I can't make it to the thing because I'm sick or because I'm whatever. And then you go to the thing or you go out to the mall and then you see them out with other friends. Heartbreaking, right? So maybe you think about that. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Then, um, <clears throat> those of you who are, who are not coming because you have to wear a mask, seek the Lord. Come before him and ask, what are you supposed to do? And I'll encourage you to think about this. I would encourage you to think about this. Um, again, I'm not trying to make you mad. Many of you would say something like, <clears throat> I would do anything for you. Like in regards to another member of our church family. I would do anything for you. Or um, you, you, you might say, let me know if there's something I can do for you. When someone was struggling, struggling you might say something, I'll, let, I'll pray for you and let me know if there's something I can do. And if you would say that, and you mean it. Now I challenge you to, to, to think about what I'm going to say now. I need you to wear a mask for 90 minutes once a week. I need you to do that. Let me, and let me, let me take that a step further. Um, and again, let me, let me say this. The most recent mask wearing that we've, we've chosen to do here in our church family is in response to some needs that were made known to us by young families. They, they said, hey, listen, <clears throat> our youngest kids can't get vaccinated. We want to be there at church. Would, would you be willing to have masks worn in the church service? And we, you know what we said? Heck yes. Heck yes, we will. Because we'll do anything for you. So <clears throat> let me ask you, um, seek the Lord on that. Seek the Lord on that. And then let me bring this up to you. So those of you, and certainly there's some of you out there, those of you um, who are walking, watching online and you feel like you cannot be here under any circumstance, um, it's cool, I get it. I would, say, I would just say this. While you're quarantining, I would ask you to pray about, seek the Lord about, how you're going to be engaged with the church family, even though you can't be here with us physically. What are you going to do to, to, to keep this covenant? And, and let me say it like, I'll say it like this. Um, certainly you have people 
who you are, who you are uh, in covenant or a relationship with, maybe their family or friends or people you're related to, that you are engaging with somehow. Um, and honestly, I, I don't think I can answer this question for you very well. I won't be able to come up with a solution for you. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll need to work together on it. We'll, you know, the, the elders and I won't be able to come up with that solution. But I want you to think about that. And I want you to begin with, begin with, begin with Christ. So next week, I'm going to talk more about, um, about where we're at as a church. And honestly, um, it doesn't have much to do with, with whether, you're, whether you're coming in person or whether you've been staying at home. Um, it has to do with our hearts, right? Um, I, for whatever, whatever we're going to have to do next, it's going to take a lot of character. Um, and and uh, often when I bring up problems to the elders when we're in our elders meetings, you know, my first go-to thing is like, okay, here's all my ideas about how to solve this thing. And Michael did something really great. He said, whoa, 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 Pause. Wait, seek the Lord. So you can thank him for that. Otherwise you'd be doing one of my stupid ideas. Uh, seek the Lord. And here's, why, here's, how I, here's what I wanted to do. I've been asking, you know, if, if you've been, if you're on our email, um, if you were here last week, you, or you listened last week, you know that I've been asking us to, to meditate or read Psalm 23. Prepare for this week. And I wonder if you've been doing that, if you've read that. Uh, this week, read it once a day. It's like 11 verses. Read it once a day. Consider what it means. How could you do it? The Lord is my shepherd. I, I don't need anything else. How can you, how, what, what could the Lord bring about to get you there? And unfortunately, like Roy said last week, often, often how he gets you there suffering. Be amped up for that. Say, and, and we, just stay all out. I will not run. <laughs> I will not run. Often when I speak on a chapter or a subject, um, you're at a disadvantage because I've been thinking about it. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about it for weeks or, you know, months even. I've been thinking about it and then I give it to you. I'm like, okay, I want you to be guys just to be just as excited as I am about it. And I've had, I've just had way more time to think about it. I'm giving you time to think about what we're going to talk about eventually. And I want us to come together over it. Come together uh, over seeking the Lord and meditating on Psalm 23. Um, if the Lord's speaking to you through Psalm 23 or any other way, I'd love to hear from you so you can share it with me and I can steal your idea for my sermon. Um, right now, as we prepare to take communion together, I want to ask you to embrace that, you know, we're in a, we're in a, you know, it's a tough situation. We're in a tough situation. And the, and, the, and the reality is we don't know what to do. Maybe, or maybe you do, and so you, you can let me know afterwards. But um, I don't know what to do. That is similar to the, the situation that we're in with God from the beginning is our sin puts us at odds with God. And, and to fix things, we don't know. We have no idea what to do. And just at the right moment, Christ died for the ungodly. That's good news. Communion is a time where we remember and commit our lives to gratitude and his glory, bringing that about. So today, add this, you know, add this to your, communica- your communion meditation. Our church is, is facing a, a crisis, a trouble, you know, things that we, you know, we don't know what to do. So God will intervene on our behalf, just like he did with Jehoshaphat, if we're willing to, to, to come to him ready to do what he wants. 
This Psalm 23, getting there. This is, this is what that is for, is prepping us, amping us up to say, danger's coming, you're the shepherd. My eyes are on you. I don't know what to do, but my, our eyes are on you. Lead on, shepherd. Let me pray for us. Dear Father, uh, you are our shepherd. If we can somehow make that real in our hearts, we won't want anything else. We won't need anything else. Like uh, Luke was hinting at last week, we often make an idol of safety. And I pray that we wouldn't. We often make an idol of our freedom. I pray that we wouldn't, that you would be our shepherd. You would be the only thing that we want. We admit that in our lives, several of us are war. We feel like. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.